Hello everyone, uh, you, I'm Sam Harris and you're listening to BizPod. A uh, bit of a different episode today, I did get a few requests, I'll say a few, like two, um, that were asking about my story and what, you know, how I got into the, the work that I do now. So of course, you know, with my massive ego, I was going to jump on that opportunity. But I thought it'd be a bit weird just talking about myself and interviewing myself. So I enlisted the help of two gentlemen not too far away from me, uh, Chris and Craig of Access All Aerials. Uh, they're not too far away from me right now, uh, and they're sort of staring at me intimidatingly. But they also work in the same office as me at the moment, so we have access to all this wonderful radio equipment, and also two wonderful hosts with a um, in-depth and probing interview style. The probing bit was particularly uncomfortable but i'll let you listen to and enjoy this episode if you want or if you want to wait till we get a more interesting person on you can do that as well um, but check out access all aerials the radio station because it's really good in that <laughs> now another episode of a sit down with the relaxed conversation series exclusive to access all aerials Hello and welcome to another edition of A Sit Down With, our conversation series from Access All Aerials. And today we are talking with the founder, I suppose, and the manager of the Cedar Biznet service, Mr. Sam Harris. Hello, Sam. How are you? Hello. Listen to that voice for radio. (laughs) (laughs) Face for radio. (laughs) Definitely a face for radio. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us for this edition of A Sit Down With Sam. Um, I'm here with Chris. Oh, Oh, there you go. (laughs) And he is going to ask the first question. Oh, how did you get involved in Cedar? That's not a bad question, actually. Right. I mean, I'd love to have some sort of big vocational sort of a calling answer that I wanted to go and work in in, in that area but um, no my mum got me a summer job there because <laughs> I come back from university with no degree loads of debt and very skint and owing her a bit of money so she was like Sam I work for this charity I've managed to blag you a summer job you're going to do it and you're going to be good at it um, she it turns out, I didn't know at the time, but she had been director of the charity for a short period and then she'd put in place some other directors um, and then she was working for them and she continued to work for them for quite a long time as a fundraiser. So she pulled some strings, um, pulled my <laughs> string and sent me off to earn my keep. Um, but I'm very glad she did. Uh, you know, the, the stars collided. That's okay. Let's cut that out. That's... <laughs> That's me vomiting on the microphone. Sorry. Uh, okay, that's. I mean, that's that's a really interesting path into working with children and young people. <laughs> yeah, your mum. Uh, <laughs> had you had you had sort of any wish or desire to kind of work with that sort of group before? I mean, did you want to be a teacher secretly or no, no youth camp leader or something? <laughs> no, God, no. My I was the bane of teachers in my youth, so no, I didn't want to do any of that. I again was hiding from my parents that the fact that I dropped out of university. So I had taken a full-time job at a toy shop um, to see if I could sort of stay up there called The Entertainer. And that was about the first time I'd ever sort of worked in any capacity with children and young people. But I am a big kid, so I really enjoyed the toys. So when it came to sort of demonstrating the toys and getting sales, I I was actually pretty good at it and engaging the children and young people. 
but then they shut me away in the storeroom and made me do all the stock taking and stuff for <laughs> various reasons that I won't disclose um, on this podcast. So there you go. That's incredible. So basically you had like a whole year of your life where you were living a lie to your parents. <laughs> no, Craig, I had probably about 10 years of my life <laughs> when I was doing that. But yeah, specifically about university. Okay, right. So she, she, she sent you to CEDA, said you're going to work there. This was during what, like a half term? May or half like term, that? I think it was. Not May half term. There was a half term yeah. uh, at the start of the year. It was before the summer holidays. So I I did a, um, I did the full week there. Loved it. You know, didn't feel like work because it was fun and enjoyable. And, you know, I just working with the different children and young people there was just brilliant. You know, I enjoyed everything about it right from the start, really. Even the, the more difficult bits. And then I started picking up shifts in the after school and Saturday club. And then obviously summer comes along and the youth services at Cedar is like a, like a weird sort of resting dragon that comes alive at the summer and roars everywhere for six weeks and then goes back to sleep. (laughs) So yeah, so I enjoyed that uh, as well and been there ever since. Okay. All right. I I mean, that's incredible that you would just fall into this position because you were, Mm. yeah, having to pay back your debt. My wife of now was my boss for that first summer as well so that did help me want to stick around obviously <laughs> i had some vested interests there absolutely i had I to think, yeah. uh, had to extradite the current boyfriend and wheedle my way in so. I, I actually had forgotten that actually <laughs> that uh, you were both there at the same time all Bad. above board obviously oh yes absolutely. not on company time <laughs> <laughs> um let's go back a bit further then uh let's go back to uh the school days schoolboy sam Okay. Um, Make me sound like just William, like <laughs> my satchel and my hat and my little shorts and I and my catapult and my ink blot. Oh, was it like that? Was it, no. happy, was it happy school days for you? No, definitely not. I was a git. That's not an official diagnosis, uh, obviously. Um, primary school was all right. I kept me head down. I was fairly shy back then. And then for whatever reason, I kind of blossomed in secondary school. And when I say blossom, I mean kind of in the sense of um, uh, like a poisoned orchid or something. <laughs> just, just not, not in a good way. Was much more drawn towards making people laugh, mucking around, doing what I wanted to do. Got very bored very easily in lessons. Very disorganised. You know, wouldn't wouldn't have my bag with me. I was more interested in playing football most of the time, and was. Not the teacher's favourite. Okay. Prob- uh, to give you, I'll give you a little story, Craig. Oh, right? go if on, yeah, like story stuff. time. So, one of the behavioural strategies my school put in place for me, Clisfell School, uh, you know, it's a long time ago, so I'm not, you know, slating anyone that's there now, I don't think. Um, in year nine, they, uh, my behaviour in lessons was so bad and difficult that they put me on report and I had to get a score out of 10 for every lesson. And I was only allowed off that report card if I got a whole week above eight and I was on that report card until year 11 (laughs) every lesson my teachers got so fed up of giving me scores that in the end I think they did just give me nines just to just they didn't have to like go for the rigmarole of giving me a score at the end of the lesson (laughs) it's like Sam I don't know what to score you for this lesson because you've not been here you've been in the corridor so I don't really know how to score you for that so we'll just give you a nine and get you out of our hair okay so so a difficult time at school then for them i really enjoyed myself i had a great time but they didn't like it do you use your your own experiences at school 
now working with the young people and families that you're working with do you still see these traits that you know you probably had in yourself back then but didn't really know what the hell they were i kind of i mean i i always like when i started work at cedar and then into business i kind of thought wow i was really difficult and i had no excuse so you know it, it helped me empathize with children and young people that had a sort of legitimate reason for their struggles and difficulty but then i did more and more work and research and learning around adhd and in particular add which is kind of the lesser known of the two but it's not got oh, the hyperactivity so attention deficit hyperactivity disorder um, and attention deficit disorder both interestingly are more about impulsivity either impulsivity of your mind to wander uh, and lose focus or impulsivity of your body to move um I never really had the hyperactivity. I wasn't like a fidgeter in classes, but I couldn't stop myself saying the thing to make people laugh. I was very disorganized and I'd get very bored and I'd end up like coming up with anagrams of football names rather than do the work, like that kind of stuff. So looking back, I can connect to some of those traits, but I never got a diagnosis and I, you know, I, I don't know if that applies to me, so I don't use it too much. No, I, know I don't mean- fully... I mean, what are you going back twenty years or so? I, the world was very different twenty years ago. Was mm-hmm. it was it known kind of in schools? I mean, I can't remember it being talked about a lot in secondary school. I, I mean, think it was probably known. It was probably seen as more of an American thing because um, they, they're often actually ahead of us in lots of ways, particularly in neurodiversity uh, sort of understanding. Um, I think you would have had children and young people with ADHD being more commonly known but there was still a lot of negative stuff about it being a parental difficulty and you know all this kind of stuff whereas actually it's it's nothing to do with that's a neurological difference um and the what the thing that i do use more as a platform for the some of the work i do is actually understanding what helped me in the end and that was finding a job that was always different was always you know, I never get bored in my job because when you're working with people you, you never get bored anyway because every, everything's different but when you're working with the people I work with that's even more different and that's you know what I love about it um, I also had to find I think a role I mean I did struggle there was time there were certain roles at Cedar that I struggled with more because it was much more sort of admin organisation um, you know when I was youth services manager that was Ugh, it was horrible at times because my way of working was to be very lastminute.com and sort of create it, you know, out of nothing all at once. Whereas obviously when you're managing, you probably need to be a bit more upfront and organised. Um, so, yeah, finding a job that was based on my interests um, or finding something I was interested in and then basing my job around that, being able to be flexible in the way I work, to do different things each day um that definitely has helped me so i try and use that as a pathway for children and young people to think about things and i think we have a lot to thank your mother for (laughs) well yeah or blame her for i (laughs) guess i don't know i certainly have a lot to thank my mother for but you know i won't tell her that she get big head okay sam so let's go back up to about cedar and obviously you started one half term 2007 it's now what 2021 and you're still there how why and how do you now manage your own service are you trying to get rid of me (laughs) um so yeah i started in 2007 
and then I think people just left at the right time for me and I moved into uh, I guess it was a senior play leader I think it was it was basically one under the coordinator and I was uh, running the Saturday and after school clubs predominantly but I was involved in activity planning and group leading the kind of day-to-day hands-on running of the services then the manager left um, and because she'd passed on quite a lot of what she was doing to me um, I took over the well again it was called coordinator then but it's basically manager um, with one other person who then also left so I don't know what that says about working with me there's a a theme Uh, going on here yeah definitely (laughs) and then I carried on doing that until 2013 when we got some funding to start the biznet project so I then handed over the youth service to my kind of assistants at the time Nick and Rachel and yeah never looked back well I did look back obviously I was interested and I talked (laughs) to them and stuff but you know I've been at biznet ever since so biznet it started off as a a funded project where did the idea come from why did you feel so passionate about it well, all, all through my sort of work in the youth service, I was kind of drawn and gravitated towards the young people that were probably had the more challenging behaviour, or as we sort of termed it at the time, the, the more distressed behaviour that would kind of lead them to often unsafe decisions. Um, and I was very lucky at Cedar because it, you know, Cedar is the way it is. You're often given the opportunity and motivation to go out and learn go on different courses in in areas you're interested in so i kind of focused on challenging behavior and autism um adhd things like that and all the while i was when i was managing the youth service i was talking a lot to parents about the sort of struggles they had at home and you know it struck me that as a professional i was getting lots of support ideas information learning um opportunities to kind of learn skills and things that would help but the parents didn't always have that so I I started thinking about you know something that would help the parents with that um, and also working in a more I guess therapeutic way with children and young people uh, rather than just focusing on enabling and and play work valuable as that is so then my mum (laughs) who is our, is our kind of fundraiser still to this day. I think she does lots of fundraising work for us. She quite often would come to us as managers with pockets of money that were out there and the types of things that people could get grants for. Um, so she came to me with the Reaching Communities idea and, and I just kind of came up with the idea for BizNet using that as a guideline and sort of batting it back and forth with with her and the other directors or CEOs, as they're now called at Cedar. It's not changing of job roles, isn't there? Always. Always. I think that's part of the reason I've had, like I've probably had about 10 different job roles at Cedar, but actually only done about three different jobs. It's just that they've changed the title every now and again. So, yeah. I think that's the same everywhere. Everywhere is probably similar. Okay, right. So I'm kind of thinking the people listening to this might know what the BizNet service is, but uh, just in case they don't, we don't have a huge amount of time, so give me the elevator pitch. Tell me, kind of in 90 seconds, what you would sell BizNet as. Well, if you're listening to this on the BizPod, you better (laughs) know what BizNet is. Elevator pitch. Okay, first thing I'd say in an elevator is that's not me, Um, because obviously, you know, that smell or whatever it is um, oh god elevator pitch so biznet is a service that supports children and young people with neurodivergence 
and neurological differences and diversity such as autism and ADHD and their families with, I guess, under... It's not a very good elevator pitch, isn't it? Right, so what I've done in the elevator, I've beep, I've put it on hold, I've pressed the fire alarm, which <laughs> they're going to be annoyed about and, the, and they're now locked in the elevator because I'm going to need a little bit longer. Um, now, elevator pitch, yeah, BizNet provides support for neurodiverse children and young people and their families in a variety of ways. Uh, we offer online learning at the moment or face-to-face learning training workshops uh, things like that webinars but we also work one-to-one with the families and young people themselves in kind of therapeutic hour-long sessions i don't know how many floors we've got on this elevator well we're going up the empire state it's like okay right (laughs) fair enough again i'll just elevator speech is i press the fire alarm and then i talk as long as i want to so i mean you are quite the showman aren't you so i mean (laughs) tell about that Training <laughs> training is a big thing about what you do. I mean, I know there's an awful lot of elements to the BizNet service, but people will know you as the as the man who leads most of the training that you deliver and the webinars and, yeah. and the Facebook Live. Obviously, COVID has meant that we've had to change the way we do a lot of learning. Just COVID in general. I haven't got COVID. <laughs> no, so no, no. Not, the, the, the we can't go near area. Sam. He's got COVID. He's a leper. That's right. It's the situation <laughs> that we're in. Is that, a, is that a way that works better for you? Do you prefer the online stuff or do you prefer the face-to-face stuff? There's good and bad to everything. Uh, this is a very, I'm a very stoic philosopher when I need to be. Um, <laughs> it's just what you make of it. But obviously, face-to-face, it's nice to bounce off the crowd and the audience and, and you know get feedback either from them directly or from the way that they're looking like sometimes you'll know that they're not quite getting you so you might explain it a bit differently or better um or they're nodding and along with what you're saying so you know you can amp it up a little bit and you know give a bit more passion you don't get that as much with the online stuff but you can do it in your pants or with pajamas so you know swings and roundabouts um I think with the online thing as well, genuinely, uh, I do sometimes do it in my pajamas, genuinely, but uh, not not the top half, just like shirt, yeah, boxes. You know, I was nice to you got dressed today, really. Yes, well, I was seeing you guys face to face, and you expressly told me not to come into the office in my pants anymore. So um, took that on board. But um, yeah, with the online stuff, I think actually lots of people out there are preferring it in some sense. Um, it's it's a bit more anonymous. So they, if they're anxious about coming, they can just do, you know, deal with that better. Also, the benefit for BizNet really is that we're now getting people come on the webinars from Australia, America, all over the place, really. Uh, so that probably wouldn't have happened. Well, it definitely wouldn't have happened. <laughs> um, just delivering it in Exeter. No, so. absolutely. Okay, so th- the training you deliver is very much um, training that you you know you've, you've gained from the people you've worked with, things that you've learnt. You obviously have done a lot of training yourself. Your inspirations, kind of, who inspires you to want to do more of what you do? Ooh. So I guess it is it changes over the years. I remember the first time I wanted to present and train, um, I went to one of those, I think it's a TES event or something, and it had loads of little sort of snippet work, 15-minute, half-hour, hour-long presentations from different speakers in the sort of special educational needs field. And I remember seeing two people, Rob Long and Fintan O'Regan, um, 
and just the way they presented, the way they sort of owned the room and, and were funny, um, but also gave some really good ideas and engaged the crowd. I kind of looked at that and thought, oh, I want to do that. That's awesome. Um, but I obviously was, I'd been doing the work for about a year. So I knew I couldn't just get up there and talk and are, about they're, stuff. They're probably, you know, very well educated, finished yeah. university probably, or at least. Yeah. Well, Rob Long, he wasn't at the time, but he's now a doctor of right. educational psychology. And Finton has done so many different things. I can't even begin to reel them off but he's written books he's you know been on boards of education and things like that uh, he set up schools for kids with adhd so yeah so there's me with my year of playwork experience <laughs> at cedar um so i kind of set about just doing that work really for the next you know, next five years or so um and i it, it became vocational it was you know I'd, I'd be on holiday and I'd be reading books about ADHD and autism and behavioral techniques and strategies I'd, I'd always be putting myself or you know working hands-on with the those young people children young people that other people would struggle with to see if I could figure it out um, you know it became a passion so that when I got to a position with BizNet where I could offer training I could offer training on stuff that I'd actually done rather than just read in a book. Um, and I think a lot of my training is about that. It's about taking theoretical ideas and information, but then also actually giving them a practical spin because you can read something in a book and you can go, that's the one, I'll do that. And then you do it with that young person. You say something a certain way you've been told is going to work and it has a completely different response depending on the young person. So, you know, yeah. It's very much kind of mixing those two things up, I think. And where do you see BizNet going? Where do you see it in another three years, say? Obviously, I want my own TV show, radio show. I'd like to have a secretary um, who just does all my admin. You've so wanted I, a secretary for the last, like, since, 10 years. Yeah, I mean, again, since I was probably a play worker, to be honest, <laughs> um, I've wanted a secretary. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um I hope we can keep growing and we are looking at that at the moment. The other sort of family consultant that I have, Howard, um, he's working really hard on just the family stuff at the moment and he's pretty much fully booked. So we are, we've got a big waiting list. We are looking at whether we can train up some new consultants and grow a little bit. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to just continue doing what we're doing, helping more families and, and getting out there a little bit more maybe even at some point getting someone from slightly higher up who's in control of the purse strings in sort of local council and government to actually have a, a chat with us about the way things are delivered. Because it's a big topic at the moment, isn't it? So the kind of provision that schools put into place mm. seems to be being slated across the board. Well, it feels like it's being slated across the board. Is that a fair, fair kind of comment, do you think? Or are some doing better than others? It's difficult for me to comment on, on education as a whole. Um, my perspective is very tainted because I didn't like it much. And obviously my area of, I guess, knowledge at the moment is more children and young people with neurodivergent um, differences. So for a sort of, you know, for a neurotypical child in a mainstream setting, I can't comment that much. I think that obviously you, you've, there's lots of big conversation, but there's a tiny little purse and the money gets cut all the time. I don't want to get political again. I've already talked about, you know, uh, 
Chris's immigration needs and I need to get out of Devon and we'll build a wall around it um, send him back to Cornwall but politically whatever way you vote at the moment the health and social care budget is getting cut all the time and often with certain excuses or other you know reasoning behind that um, so some of the expectations the things that are needed the things that parents and, and professionals are speaking out for and rightly so it's just not realistic having said that i do think there are changes that could be made to whole systems that would give people a better experience and they don't necessarily have to be throwing more money at it and i'll give you an example one one thing that we did at the start of the biznet project because we were a funded project one of the things that the funders liked was that we had a steering group that was made up of the people that would potentially benefit from it so we we had this big sort of meeting i think we managed to get about 15 parents um at the time this is way back in 2013 and we asked them for some kind of guidance you know what what kind of ethos would you want biznet to have and some of the things that stuck out the, the first one the first one was not having professionals that seemed too professional so <laughs> yeah so i loved that because i meant i didn't have to have a tie i didn't have to have a shirt on well no i, I mean i'd wear clothes obviously but you know not, i can imagine uh, some mothers no, probably would prefer you not uh, to wear a shirt, well, i to can't possibly comment on that craig but you know I, I mean you say some probably all but you know uh, <laughs> but the yeah the shirt and tie thing i didn't want to do anyway so that was great it kind of fitted in with that but also it helped me remember that actually they don't want too much jargon they don't want too much theory they, they want to know that someone's actually been in similar situations um, and, and experienced that and put things into practice. But the other thing, the most important thing, and the thing that I think lots of services, government services could potentially take on board is feelings of judgment. Not they've all, Almost every parent I've worked with that's been through other services, and I won't name names, but a lot of them are government provisions, has felt judged at some point. And that's a fault. Oh, sorry, I'm wobbling the mic, apparently. Craig's giving me these, like, non-verbal gestures. Stop doing that. I don't know if he meant... I thought he meant don't slag off the government at first. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, go, go, carry on with right. that. Okay. Yeah, so, um, and I don't, I don't know where that comes from all the time. It's not directly one service. It's just something I hear an awful lot. I just don't get it, because if you are trying to help someone make changes, you judging them for doing it the way that they were doing it in the first place that wasn't helpful doesn't help anyway you've got to try and understand why someone does something a certain way before you help them change it uh, and you kind of going well that's ridiculous why are you doing that you must stop it you know you've caused this your anxiety is the cause of this i mean that's the other one i heard a lot was from other professionals was um oh it's the the parent yeah i'd say, I'd say oh this this and this about the child and they go yeah but the parent's very anxious and i'm thinking well first of all None of these diagnoses are caused by parental anxiety. And secondly, if you had a child that was very unpredictable and explosive and, and unsafe at times, or was really struggling and distressed and you know not coping with school, I'd be anxious as well. So what's your point? <laughs> you know, why, are we, why are we highlighting that? You know? So what? Let's help them then. Um, and let's let them know how to help their child. You know? um, yeah. So... I mean, the whole concept of labelling and everything as well is, is basically adding to that sort of anxiety. and Sometimes, yeah. Uh, labelling is a difficult one because there are so many necessary 
elements to getting a diagnosis funding for example you know if you've got a child with all the traits of being autistic but they haven't been given that label autistic you don't get any extra time at school you don't get any of the extra support requirements uh, you don't get the necessarily the understanding from other people around them um, and the child hasn't got as much of a frame to understand their own differences but there is a bit of a movement online which i'm kind of on board with as well that maybe we could live in a world where we didn't need those labels because everyone was just a bit more accepting and understanding and supportive of people's different needs people's different ways of thinking and actually you know again i've, I've talked about it a lot before online recently but neurodiversity is what makes us different different as a species so we need it we need to have people that think differently that experience things differently and that's what's helped us adapt and evolve so the fact that we're now all kind of I will slag education off sod it we'll go for it but we're all put through these education systems that require us to kind of think the same about the same things and learn the same stuff as everyone else is just I don't think that's beneficial anymore but there you go who am I? <laughs> but I think you know you having that thought process and knowing that actually probably lots of people share that same mm. kind of ideal your that you bring that to your training sessions and your webinars and actually people benefit more from what you deliver to what they're getting told maybe from their specialists or GPs or anything like that because you're coming with with a realistic approach maybe yeah maybe I mean we get loads of good feedback which is great you know I, I don't it's not my business to go out and sort of see what other things are being offered but there are lots of other training out there in the areas that we deliver but we again we always get good feedback and the uptake's been good so yeah we must be doing something all right yeah. right well we're gonna take a very quick break there and we'll be right back very shortly online on your smart speaker and via the MyTuner radio app this is access all aerials a sit down with the relaxed conversation series exclusive to access all aerials access all aerials radio and we're back with Sam Harris from Cedars Biznet on Access All Aerials and also this special edition of the BizPod podcast that uh, Sam would normally be hosting, but today he's the one getting the grilling. So we've talked a little bit about how your training has had to change because of COVID and, uh, and the whole lockdown scenario and everything. You run an awful lot of webinars and training sessions online very well attended from what I see, lots of interaction on Facebook. What's your favorite? What do you prefer? You know, what do you really enjoy doing? Because you repeat quite a few, don't you? So is there one that you prefer doing more than another? Um, we do repeat them, but then they kind of have a shelf life, I find. Like, you know, if we've done it two or three times live, we've caught all the people that we need to really. Um, so we do try and change it up. And I do get more excited by new ideas, new ways of presenting things um so i don't think i've got a specific favorite what's the one that you would say if you've ne you know if you're new to this you know this whole kind of thing mm. you must attend this webinar when it next gets delivered whatever the next one is okay. obviously <laughs> whichever one we've got going at the live at the moment and make sure you get your tickets no i i, I would it's different it's difficult because it does depend on the feedback you get sometimes um I guess the the mood you're in as well um obviously we always try and cover the content to a good standard but you know you just get times when you're just 
bit more relaxed or feeling sharper. These are not one of those times. That's why I'm waffling on aimlessly around the answer and not giving an answer. That's okay. Um, I, I would say my area of understanding is probably biggest in and around autism and b probably particularly autism with a PDA profile just because I've had the most experience working with those children and young people um, but obviously when I do the courses on ADD and ADHD there are bits that I almost take from my life <laughs> that have helped me a little bit or that I have to try and remember so there's a bit more personal experience there. So, yeah, I haven't got an answer, Craig. Sorry. That's, oh, that's I've, fine. No. I've politicianed that one, haven't I? <laughs> uh, let's talk about BizPod, a fantastic mm. series. Where do you get your ideas from? Where do you get your guests from? You know, why do you do it? Um, I love the sound of my own voice, obviously, um, which, you know, it, uh, Craig has just told me I've got a voice for, for radio. No, face for radio, you said, didn't you? <laughs> no, as in very deep apparently it's it's not working on the chart he's got a special we've got such a setup here he's like a bond villain he's got three screens two mics and it still doesn't pick up my voice because it's too deep and thing like this um but um the why do i do the biz pod um <laughs> there you go there's an example of me waffling and talking and enjoying the sound of it straight away um so it's about giving free information to parents a resource um i mean ultimately being 100% honest, which I like to always be, if we could get, make some money off it, you know, if we could get some advertising behind it and we could just do that all day, brilliant, just talk to people, do, do a podcast, obviously in between family sessions and webinars. So ultimately, podcasts can generate a bit of income and therefore you can deliver free information to parents um, and the people that need it. But also it's not kind of alongside that really it's an excuse for me to talk to and learn from different people um, and the best thing about it I have to say has been that we, I've been able to encourage and get um, autistic people on there um, autistic adults some of the children and young people I've worked with uh, and it's been really yeah it's been really eye-opening for me I think I've learned more in the last couple of years than I had done for the previous five from books really just from talking to, to more autistic people about their experience which is the best way to learn about autism by the way yeah I think I answered that I, I think it's <laughs> amazing that these people that you know 10 years or so ago you were watching online or to a seminar to watch them in real life and now they're your colleagues and your peers because you're able to actually interact and work with them through BizNet is quite the journey. I mean, and that's only been possible because you've plugged away for as long as you have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't even mention that really. Yeah, we've had we've had Finton on the podcast and I've also done quite a few webinars with him since lockdown. I think there's there's two things there. Yes, you could say it's a sort of culmination of a journey of self-improvement and getting up to a level where he can see me as a colleague, but also lockdown no one's got a bugger all else to do, have they? So I, I hit him up at that time, knowing he'd probably be quite available. Um, and we worked together um, and, you know, we hopefully continue to do so. Rob Long, though, he's far too big time. He doesn't return my emails. Really? Uh, I had him down for a conference where I could pay him some wedge. But if there's no, you know, I can just imagine him looking at it going, what, no wedge? I'm, I'm out. And Rob, if you're listening to this, yes, I am accusing you of that. So come on the podcast, prove me wrong. He won't be listening to this. But, uh, 
So, um, obviously, if you've just stumbled across this um, episode for the first time on Access All Aerials, uh, people then sorry, can, <laughs> people can subscribe to the BizPod on all the major platforms, can't they? Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and everything else like that. Why are you how asking you, me as you if you're not? <laughs> yeah, so you're asking me as if I had anything to do with that. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Craig. But you can, you can, absolutely. Yeah, you do all that. Uh, you can listen, listen back to all of your episodes from the past. And there are some great ones, aren't there, on there? Yeah, I'd imagine now, if you wanted to, you could put BizPod on and then you could just watch through all our Facebook videos and live Q&As and you could probably listen to me in my lovely deep voice like this um, for the rest of the year. So do that. That'd be good. Definitely uh, educate people. <laughs> yeah? yeah. <laughs> You're not so keen, Chris. Chris thinks everyone would go to sleep. <laughs> Thank you ever so much, Chris. Uh, um, I thought you were looking a little bit tired over there. <laughs> Uh, Chris, Chris is just shocked that you don't play music in your uh, BizPod series, but you're not allowed to really play music on a podcast, Chris. Unless it's a music one, I Unless suppose. A, I don't yeah. know. You have to have different licenses and things. Oh, yeah, no, I can't be doing with that. But Sam that. is going to be very soon starting a BizNet radio show here on Access All Aerials, aren't you? So, um, But do I have to play music? You'll have to play some music. Yeah! Not all music. All right. All right I'll see what I can do. That's what makes your radio shows different to the, to the podcasts. Yeah. Bit of music. Bit of whatever you when, choose. Whatever. When. when. Oh, well, we keep threatening to do it, but lockdowns keep getting in the way. And That's true. It means we can't get on and do it. Soon, though. Soon. Uh, what, what am I going to play? I don't know what I'm going to play. I only listen well, what to. What music do you listen to? Really inappropriate, heavy like grime music when I go I work out and then Elvis Presley and that's it right well non-stop Elvis Presley isn't it? yeah <laughs> I mean I'm up for it he's got a lot of songs so we could yeah we could do that oh I wonder why I wonder why I'm into Elvis Presley do, do you karaoke as well <laughs> no I could do <laughs> Um, right, we're coming to the end of this conversation. That's and, what you um, think. <laughs> I can't even push a button because you're here in real life. Normally, I can just push a button and turn them off. End leave meeting. <laughs> um, I want to just finish on kind of the back to that kind of inspiration side of things again, um, uh, and the families and the, and the and the professionals that you're supporting. Is there like one takeaway message you give them all the time that you think everybody should know? Like, I'm sorry, I know, I know, we're getting free content here from you, but <laughs> kind of something from one of your one of your webinars or one of your training sessions that you repeat because it's quite important for people to know. First of all, you make me sound like a mercenary. I know we're getting free. Con- <laughs> I give away loads of free content. We do Q and A's all the time. All right, my motto is: if I can do a webinar for twenty thousand people, all paying a pound. I'll be minted. That'll be fine. I'll see you all later. No, um, but obviously we would like to deliver low cost to more people. That is, you know, we, we are a charity, but we do have to run and, and survive and be sustainable. Um, so yeah, we charge some money. Uh, anyway, that's the charity message. Yeah. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the charity bit covered. It's all the charity. Uh, cha-ching. No, it's not. It's not like that. <laughs> Where am I? What's the question again? Right. A takeaway. So takeaway. One takeaway message. Um, don't put Sam in front of a microphone. No, you're I... always in front of a microphone. What are you on about? <laughs> depends who it's for, I would say. Takeaway message. It would depend on who I'm talking to. 
if it was a parent, trust your instincts. You know your child best, despite what other people try and lead you to believe. You're going to be the one that's going to be with them throughout whatever decisions you take. So take information from professionals, uh, from books, from other sources, but always trust your instincts and judgment. As long as those instincts don't lead you to harming the child in any way, like deliberately, obviously. Um, yeah, my instincts to lock him in a box under the stairs. That didn't work for Harry Potter's uncle. Um, if I was working with a professional, I guess advice-wise, listen. Um, it's very easy to, and I know there's me saying, listen, I'm such a talker. When I present, I you know, I'm in present mode. Um, but I do work very hard in sessions to really listen to what people are saying because often if you are listening with an idea in your head already, you're not actually listening to what they're telling you. So, you know, try not to come into it. You, you have your plan, you have your knowledge, you have your ideas, but you also plan to move away from that plan depending on what they're telling you. And finally, for for any of the children and young people or, or people out there with, with neurodivergent differences, um, you're brilliant and you make the world a better place and you teach us a lot about ourselves and you certainly did me. Keep being you, uh, keep finding ways to manage the world around you. Um, but yeah, don't don't lose sight of who you are and all the strengths that your differences have as well as all the things that are difficult. What a wonderful thing to finish on. Thank okay. you very much. I said something proper and nice at the end, didn't I? You did. So let's, let's bollock it up now. There you go, a bit of editing for you. <laughs> Sam Harris from Cedars Biznet, thank you very much. Can I talk now? Because you edited out the last bit. No, okay. No problem, Craig. Any time at all. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. The thank end. And with that, the uh, sit-down with was over. He was out of there. Thank you very much to Sam Harris once again for joining us on this edition of A Sit-Down With and on this special edition of BizPod. There are more episodes of A Sit-Down With on the Access All Aerials website at accessallaerials.co.uk and to find out more about BizNet and the services they offer, visit the CEDA website at www.cedaonline.org.uk and just click the BizNet page.